AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. The grain market started by trying to get back some of Friday's price slide, but chart-based selling in wheat and corn drugged those markets to the downside. The bean market stuck close to unchanged, and cotton was lower. Feeder cattle futures straight fed cattle prices lower, and sellers were back in the lean hog market. Live from the relentless, throbbing pulse of agriculture via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we begin with a conversation with Dan Bossi from Ag Resource Company. Later, Kerry Artak from ArtakAdvisory.com. And directly following the news, Jack Scoville joins from the Price Futures Group. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now, welcome the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Flory. All right, Davis. Hey, buddy. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, yeah. We have already seen the high of the day, and it is time to trend down to what is expected to be an overnight low around seven degrees oh really yeah yeah no that that makes it sound like um that makes it sound like second spring second summer second fall Mm -hmm. are gone yeah and winter is here yeah and see the thing is there's just the one winter i hope so the, the concern is experts scholars if you will maintain that uh you know, if we have to get in a second spring, summer, and fall, it just means that the winter that's coming is that much weightier, you know? That oh. it's like it needed a little extra just to even uh. everything out. Uh. Mm-hmm. I don't like the sound of that at all. Well, that's Not what they at say. all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we topped out earlier at 24 degrees, and we are now on our way down already. Wow. Uh, already three degrees off the high of the day and it's going to be getting chillier so well now wait a second we're at 39 here headed for a low of 22 but 39 is the high of our day i'm at the high too this is as warm as it's going to get is what you're telling me that's what i'm telling you i want a refund (laughs) i want want a redo (laughs) i want a redo welcome to agritalk i'm chip that is davis hi uh sloppy day in the markets that's i think the best way to put it Soybeans, soybean meal, soybean oil, all tried, and soybean oil was the most successful of of any of the markets, even with crude oil futures trading under pressure. But um, uh, I, it it was a defensive day across the board, and wheat really turned negative as the the technical selling rolled into the market. All right. Uh, Davis, let's go ahead and get started. What you got in the news? Sure thing, Chip. Well, wheat futures opened slightly higher and tried to trade higher in the overnight session, but prices were under pressure for most of the day session and extended losses after mid-morning. Export inspections of wheat in the weekend of November 23 totaled nearly 277,000 metric tons. That was at the low end of trade expectations. The lack of price-supportive headlines out of Ukraine and a U.S. weather forecast calling for some showers in the southern plains later this week Send wheat futures to new lows. March HRW wheat futures 15 cents lower today, 596 and a half. March SRW wheat down 16 and one quarter to 561. March spring wheat closed at 699 and three quarters. (laughs) SAS closed down 14 and three quarters cents, Chip. 
Yeah, we can't ignore the technical pressure on that market either. There was just a lot of chart-based selling in there. Mm. Well, March corn futures opened slightly higher and tried to recover from Friday's losses in the overnight session. Corn was trading lower by mid-morning, and traders leaned on corn prices through the close. March corn posted a new contract low and a new contract low close, but March corn spiked psychological support at 475 and then recovered to close just above that level. Brazil consulting firm AgRural says the country's full-season corn crop was 83% planted as of last Thursday. That's just behind last year's planting pace. Export inspections of corn in the week ended November 23, totaled nearly 407,000 metric tons. Yeah. That fell short of trade expectations. Today, March corn futures were seven and one quarter lower, 475 and a quarter. May corn down seven and three quarter cents, 486 and three quarters. July corn futures closed at 496. That's down seven and three quarters, Chip. Yeah, just a tick above that 475 in the March contract. It, the export inspections weren't good enough. The slow plantings in Brazil weren't good enough. Yeah. Uh, it's j The market is looking for demand, and it's going searching for it in a big way right now. Well, January beans opened slightly lower and spiked support at 1325 before recovering to close mid-range and above the opening range. Agroral says Brazil's soybean plantings were 74% complete last Thursday. Chip, that's well behind the year-ago pace. Uh, this time last year, they were at 87% planted. Yeah. There has been some relief to dry conditions in the past week, and farmers in central Brazil are planting rapidly to take advantage of those rains. But the forecast calls for more above-normal temperatures and below-normal precip in the next two weeks. Export inspections of soybeans in the weekend of November 23 totaled 1.44 million metric tons, in line with trade expectations. January beans a penny lower, 12.29 and three quarters. March beans down a half cent to 13.48 and one quarter. May beans closed at 13.61 and three quarters, down a quarter of a penny. Might be a little too dry for those rains to help much yet, Chip. Yeah, that's that's right. We're going to have a conversation about the South American crops with Dan Bossy here in just a moment. Well, today, Chip, March cotton was 173 points lower, 79.26. On your livestocks, January feeder cattle futures have dropped nearly 15 bucks in the past oh, two man. sessions as Long's liquidated positions... <laughs> Boxed beef prices should be stabilizing live cattle futures, but that market was pulled to the downside. December fat cattle today down a buck forty-seven and one half to one sixty-eight seventy-seven and one half. The February contract down two dollars fifteen cents to one sixty-eight eighty-two and a half in January feeder futures, off six dollars fifty-two and a half cents to two twelve eighty. And finally, on the snout side, the cash lean hog index sharply lower today remains at a premium, however, to these futures, limiting pressure on the front month contract. These hogs were 30 cents higher today, 67.87 at one half chip. All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Let's bring in Jack Scoville, Price Futures Group. How you doing, Jack? Hey, pretty nice over here. How are things over there in uh, Iowa right now? Cold. Cold and getting colder already, and it's starting to snow again, Jack. I think winter's here. <laughs> it is cold. I got to say that. I was just outside, and it's it's very cold out. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Okay. The, Jack, the buyers just seem to walk away from corn and wheat markets today. What's going on? Well, I think you nailed a lot of it. Uh, we're looking for demand. Uh, it's just um, – and uh, then we turned the trends down on the charts, so that created some additional selling interest from the speculators. Uh, the funds and, and all that. So 
uh, just uh, kind of a combination of things. Fundamentally, uh, nothing much going on. Export inspections were disappointing. Uh, the weekly export sales tolls have been really pretty good, but uh, it hasn't really translated too well into inspections, at least for corn. Uh, for wheat, uh, the sales have been terrible. The uh, inspections have been just as bad, and uh, nobody wants U.S. wheat right now, and that's been the big problem there. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it is a problem now with the way that the downside momentum is built up in that market. A little better performance in the soy complex, right? Yeah, I think, uh, I think uh, the South American weather situation is definitely playing, uh, playing a factor there. Uh, my sources down there in Brazil say that the crops probably uh, already lost about 5 million tons. So if you were thinking the crop was going to be about 165 million tons, uh, now you're talking maybe 160, maybe even a touch below that. So there's been some damage, and the weather forecasts uh, uh, do, do not promise some, uh, do not promise much additional relief after uh, the better weather that we had here last week. And then in the southern part of the country, it just is simply too wet. And that's been a big there. problem all year long, and it's not yep. getting better. Good stuff, Jack. Thanks, buddy. That's Jack Scoville, Price Futures Group. Dan Bossy up next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Do you suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us here this afternoon. You think uh, one day we'll have to explain to our grandchildren why they call them tweets when you're <laughs> sending a communique through X? Yeah, um, I, I, maybe by Maybe by then we'll we'll be calling them something else. What did we come up with? Twixes? Oh no, Twix sounds good. Yeah, Twix. I could eat about three of those right now. Sure. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> let's eat candy with the grandkids instead of explaining it to them. Amen, Boy, brother. This is why I come to you with this stuff. It's your sage See, advice. Yeah. What if if uh, if 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 there's any way possible, mm-hmm. the best outcome. Out of that conversation about social media, is <laughs> is us keeping the grandkids off? There you go. That there you go. Might be the uh, the ultimate win right there. Uh, wow, uh, Dan. Uh, excuse me, uh, not Dan. Jack did a real nice job explaining the situation. Yeah, he did. In um, 
in Brazil, too dry in the central part of the country, northern production areas, way too much water down in the south. We've been talking about that for a while now, and the pattern seems to be sticking around and and starting to whittle away at the uh, Brazilian bean crop estimate, I think. Let's uh, get the latest on that from Dan Bossy, Ag Resource Company. Dan, it's great to talk with you again. Happy Thanksgiving, man. Man, happy Thanksgiving. I hope you're full and uh, satisfied and looking forward to Christmas. Absolutely. And, you know, if you come out of it not full, not satisfied, doggone it, it's your own fault. Now you got that right. You got that right. The only th- <laughs> the only other thing is they've stacked up Black Friday and Cyber Monday. You got to get all your shopping done in a couple of days. It makes it tough anyway. Yep, yep, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, so this Brazilian situation, taking five million ton off of a one hundred and sixty five million ton crop potential, doesn't seem like that big of a problem to me, Dan. Well, it's 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 not if you think of it that way. I think it's all where you start. I, I'm going to use USDA's 163. Jack used 165. We think it's yeah. 163, and uh, we're down about four percent. Now we're slicing a little bit. We're slicing 1.2 percent off acres because some soybeans are are not going to yeah. get planted, especially in the south, uh, where a place like Paso Fundo, which is in northern uh, Rio Grande do Sul, has now received 57 inches of rain since September no. 1st. Remarkable if you think of that. But uh, it's just too wet. And then if I go to the north, you you know how dry it's been. And uh, the Amazon is still struggling with drought and something we've not seen before going back at least 80 years. So uh, our estimate is uh, for Brazil and my team down there in the office, and we've had boots on the ground. Uh, we're at 156 million metric tons. Uh, so we're down, you know, somewhere in the vicinity of 7 million metric tons, uh, 4%, a little over 4% on the crop. And you know, we'll watch it carefully and adjust then week by week as uh, Mother Nature gives us uh, either too much, too little, or or, or or too much heat, something like yeah. that. But at the moment, you're right. The pattern seems to be stuck. Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, when we look at the, at the situation in South America, you know, something hit me hard last week when we started looking at, at the size of the crop out of Brazil, Argentina, Paraguay, Bolivia and Uruguay, and because of the big recovery or expected big recovery in the Argentine crop, it's up sharply from year ago. Should we be looking at the entire South American supply or focus on Brazil? We uh, we tend to focus on Brazil for the main reason as Brazil's the exporter of soybeans. Uh, Argentina is the exporter of soy products. Yeah. And so uh, what you see today is soy products uh, are high and margins are strong in the U.S. because of Argentina's absence. Uh, but they're not going to be a sizable exporter of soybeans. That's Brazil. So uh, if you're thinking export opportunity for the U.S., it would be domiciled in Brazil. And that's where I think their crop comes in. Now, our work would suggest that you need to get the crop down to 150, give or take a million metric tons. If you really want to put afterburners on the market and say, OK, here we go and uh, we've now got global stocks use ratios close to last year. We're not there yet. So, you know, December weather is very important. And I would include now because of latent seedings, maybe the first three weeks of uh, January. But that'll be the game in terms of soybean production. And, you know, a crop equal to last year, 156 is important, but it's not going to get just, you know, to sustain a rally above 14 bucks, at least at this juncture. Okay. Okay. Uh, is it, is it, a bean story, or is it still more of a corn story? 
the dryness in central Brazil? Well, it's it's a bean story today, but it's quickly going to become a corn story because all of these beans that are planted after about the 20th of November will probably not get to a point where they can be uh, harvested and then get safrina planted or that winter corn crop right behind it. So uh, when you think about the markets, you know, we believe it's going to be more of a if, if weather were to normalize, it'd be more of a corn story than a bean story with my 156. But that's another day down the road. And I think we need to keep it in the back of our minds, maybe after the February time frame when, you know, we set our revenue insurance here and then Brazilian farmers go to plant the next crop. Right. OK. Um, so let, let's let's stay on this whole export idea or the whole export situation for a bit. It, our bean sales haven't been too bad, but, you know, it doesn't feel like our, our loading's pace is keeping up to what our even our bean sales have been. What's the cause there? Can we just not get them in position? It, it was the long tail of the Brazilian crop last year, which kind of okay. stole our thunder in September, October, and early November. Uh, we're, we're still going to see loadings that are, you know, down from last year. But Brazil, that's where that big crop really comes in, in which we kind of lose opportunity in a new crop position. Okay. Okay. Um, how big of a deal is the, the, the drought in Panama and how that is affecting shipments through the, the Panama Canal? Well, it's becoming a bigger deal, unfortunately, and rates are rising and there's now going to be auctions to go through the canal at elevated prices. And some will think yeah. uh, some vessel owners will try to go down around the horn because it may be cheaper, but it's becoming an increasingly important deal. And when you look at seasonality of rainfall down in Panama, you know, November is one of its wettest months. And now we go into a drier season, December, January, February, March. Yeah. We don't get wet again until about May. So that means that the recovery opportunity is probably limited for the Parana, uh, for the Panama Canal at least uh, over the next five to six months. Yeah, this seems like just based on the weather trends and how everybody kind of expects the the patterns that are in place right now to persist for at least a, a, a period of time. This this feels like a serious issue for the Panama Canal. You know, at least until into the first quarter of the end of the first quarter of 2024, doesn't it? No, you're right, Chip. It may be to the middle or end of the second quarter. That's yeah. our concern because it's going to take a while to fill Man. up reservoirs and lakes and everything that feeds that canal. So, yep. yeah, I agree with you. This is a cost factor that adds to the shipping uh, cost for anybody going through the canal and something I believe everybody needs to pay attention to. Yeah. Okay. Let's bring the bean conversation back to domestic. The expansion in the crush is happening, isn't it, Dan? No, it is. And uh, when you have margins, cash margins now, not board margins, but cash margins over 325 or 350 a bushel, uh, you're going to bring these plants online. Uh, we've, we've got three new plants online now. The next plant is going to be the platinum plant in Alta, Iowa. And hopefully it comes on sometime late in the second quarter. Um, but, uh, undoubtedly whatever's out there operating today in the world of in the U S crush industry is going to be going at 99%. They will be pushing the gas as fast as they can to process beans for both oil and meal. It's, it's, it's just where we sit today. Okay. 
renewable diesel. I had a conversation last week uh, trying to figure out, is everything still on track? Are the refiners still behind renewable diesel? Based on everything I'm seeing, that investment is still there, isn't it? It is. And, and in fact, we're going to get a very big facility named Rodero in California by Philip 66 online here early next year. This is a monster at 40,000 barrels a day of renewable diesel. Um, and, and, you know, the build out is, is timely. It's happening. Uh, the drop in soy oil is actually helping the hobo yep. spread, if you will, or the opportunity for these people to make money. Uh, and the incentives are still there. They're still making about a dollar seventy a gallon by our calculation. So I don't see anybody pulling back or changing, at least on renewable diesel plants as it's today. Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked about Argentina being a supplier of meal. Um, it's worked. Their short crop has helped us out this year and it's supported that meal market. But going forward, if Argentina gets that big recovery, that's going to be a battle for us to get into that meal market, isn't it? Oh, yeah, the uh, meal market is probably on its last hurrah, and whether it peaks in January or February, we all need to be aware of that because it's a fist fight between the U.S. and Argentina for world demand thereafter. Yep, yep. Wow, that went by in a hurry, Dan. We've got a lot that I want to talk about yet. Uh, we need to talk about China and the economic conditions there, the impact that it's having on global trade. And then let's talk about what farmers are doing with the 23 and potentially the 24 crop. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes. Where March HRW wheat futures were 15 cents lower at 5.96 and one half. March soft red wheat down 16 and one quarter, 5.61. March corn futures were seven and one quarter cents lower, 4.75 and a quarter. May corn down seven and three quarters, 4.86 and three quarters. January soybeans a penny lower, 12.29 and three quarters. March beans down a half cent to 13.48 and one quarter. March cotton was 173 points lower, 79.26. On your livestocks, December fat cattle down a buck 47 and one half, 168.77 and one half. January feeders off six bucks, 52 and a half cents to 2.12.80. And December lean hog futures 30 cents higher today, 67.87 and one half at the close. Get more market news every market day. Just visit TryProFarmer.com. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Dribble Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. AgriTalk.
Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. We are in the middle of a conversation with Dan Bossy from Ag Resource Company. Covered a lot of export uh, angles in that first segment. Got into the domestic side of things. And before we start talking about China's economic conditions, Dan, Jack mentioned it, and I want to come back to it. And, And I mentioned it at the start of the show as well. The technical breakdown in this corn market and in wheat, we cannot ignore what that potentially means for these markets, can we? No, you really can't. I mean, uh, again, uh, uh, the funds have been short. They're adding to their net position. They got a new sell signal today, which was contract lows, fresh, and they sold again. And so, you know, they're making the money. And for now, we got to pay attention to that because the trend is your friend. It's as simple as that, Chip. Yeah. Yeah. And the way things stand right now, it, it, it's got to be a change in the, on the demand side of the balance sheet to to kind of rattle the shorts that are in the market, right? No, I think that's right. It's got to be a change in, in, in specifically domestic demand in the United States, whether it be for ethanol or soy crush or anything like that is quite good. So that's not the problem. It's really the export side of things. And so you either get better export demand with a smaller Brazilian or South American crop, or you get it by expanding uh, global trade. Uh, you know, world corn demand is actually record large, projected by USDA and, and, and reaching those levels. But it's all being filled by Brazil, at least yeah. for the time being. Yeah. Dan, I don't know if you'll remember this, but at the end of last year, and maybe it was very early in in 2023, we were talking about uh, what's going to be the big story from 2022, what might be the big story in 2023. And when you and I started talking about how quickly China went through the process of cutting the red tape to allow for the imports of Brazilian corn, We both kind of said, we're going to look back at that in six months and go, wow, that was a big story. Well, here we are more than six months later, and it's a huge happening for this corn market. No, it really is, Chip. And and in fact, I I can put a number on it because today we were counting vessels in the lineup in Brazil. And when I look back from May, which is when when China took two test cargoes of Chinese corn, to where they're sitting in December and just counting vessels for the month of December, because we almost have November export data, where they've taken 18.4 million metric tons of Brazilian corn. Just think if that was U.S. corn, the difference it would make in our market. So uh, it's a big deal. There's no doubt about it. And again, I'm using lineup data for December, but when it's all said and done, China is going to probably take between 21 and 22 million metric tons of Brazilian corn. USDA has got them at 23 for the crop year. We do have a million metric tons of U.S. corn on our books. Uh, but uh, again, uh, it, that Brazilian corn offtake to China has been demonstrative. <laughs> You're talking about some numbers. We don't have to go that far back to when China was still a net exporter of corn. And we we were talking, I remember talking about, yeah, watch the 15-16 marketing year. That's when we'll start to see China come in and start buying some corn. And that has the potential to grow to maybe 10 million ton over time. 
well, number one, that 10 million ton over time was a big miss because here we are at over 20 million tons now. What are they doing with it all? Well, we, we think it's some of the westernized diet of the hog farmer. Remember the hog okay. hotels that go 20 or 30 stories and 2 million heads in each and everything's all feeds going under a black light. The, their westernized diet is helping corn consumption. Uh, we also believe USDA has been underestimating domestic consumption of corn for some period of time, and they've had some crop problems. I don't know how many record corn crops uh, China's produced yeah. in a row. I think it's 18 or 19, but they just <laughs> lie in that stuff. So, you know, um, I don't pay attention to that data. But what we do pay attention to is is what we see in terms of imports that actually goes into the country. And at least for beans and corn, at least momentarily, it looks to be record large. Okay. Okay. What What is the status of the chinese economy right now dan it it just it, it was a sputtering start coming out of the uh covid shutdowns the extended covid shutdowns is it still sputtering it is still sputtering they still have issues with uh, their biggest asset that almost every chinese person holds as a retirement aid which is real estate and um you know that real estate has gone down and and there's 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 acute stress with borrowers and shadow banks and lots of other things. It's going to take a while to come out of here unless the government completely takes it over. It is China. There's always a strong hand in the background. But, boy, it looks to me like we're just going to muddle through for an extended period of time right now, at least in, in terms of commodity demand, in terms of their economy. OK, um, we we complain about demand for U.S. wheat on a on a regular basis and how it stinks but the reality is is that for the first time in two years we've had daily export sales announcements of srw three in that hundred thousand ton range each of the three in that range and all going to china for srw um it why why no reaction or very limited reaction from wheat yeah there was a reaction when we first saw the Chinese business, uh, and then it kind of passed away. Um, I would tell you that China is probably under the WTO Ascension Agreement, which goes back to 2001. A guy named Greg Dowd, of, of course, yeah. pressed the issue in 18, and he got China to, of course, adhere to that. So China now takes between 9 and 10 million tons of wheat from the world annually. Uh, they can't take Russian wheat. And so uh, when the Argentinians and Australians have smaller crops and both will be substantially smaller, or at least in the case of Ar Australia, substantially smaller this year, a little larger in Argentina, uh, they, 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 they buy where they can. And so the cheap wheat has been French and, and U.S. and predominantly French and a little bit of Ukrainian. But uh, that's where we look for them to take wheat. Now, I do believe China, by the end of the crop year, may take oh, a million or a million quarters of U.S. wheat. That's, that's of help. But it's not a panacea to really you know, get us down to stock levels that are going to be exceptionally tight. Okay. All right. Um, the commitment of traders data, when you look at that com commercial short position, uh, the last time we were this low, it was 2013. or It was this small of a short position. It was 2013. Um, th th that tells us that the, the farmer selling of the 23 crop is very, very low, right? Yeah, I, I would say that's probably with without a big export program. I don't know else, how else you could say it unless they've got a lot of ethanol coverage. 
Um, I would say that uh, the farmer, the U.S. farmer, is waiting for a rally to make sales. Um, he has uh, kind of uh, burrowed himself in after the harvest and waiting for a, a sunnier day. And so uh, all I can say is when I look back at that net commercial position that you're talking about, which we don't we had dated later today and I haven't seen it yet. But, yeah. you know, we're getting close to where the commercial is 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 flat. And that's only happened a couple of other times. Whenever the commercial has been long or flat in the corn market, it's tend to correlate with some kind of important bottom. So. I, I, you know, I look at that and I say, what do they know that we don't? Uh, because otherwise they wouldn't be in that position. But, you know, the farmer also is dug in, at least at the moment, not willing to sell grain outside of maybe the, the stuff he had to sell today because of uh, forced selling uh, relative to December contract or December futures. Okay. Uh, ha- have they moved more on a percentage basis of the bean crop? They have. I think the farmer has, uh, has has done a relatively good job in marketing beans. I think he's probably pushing in the 65 to 67 percent mark sold, yeah. where on corn he may be in the 30s. And so he's moved along his beans. But, boy, he's he's proud of his corn just yet. And <laughs> I don't know. I mean, heading into winter, he may want to wait and see what happens with South American production. But that's really his his opportunity or his, how should I say it, his risk is that yeah. South America has a crop problem that may rally a supply rally in corn, but we won't know about that till February or March. Right, right. Okay. Uh, the new crop 2024 markets have backed off of what seemed like it was really stable markets, but uh, these corns lost about, oh, you know, a dime from that stable level. Uh, November soybeans backed off about 30 cents, I guess. Uh, so here we sit at 504, 1280. What do you want farmers thinking about when you see 504 and, and 1280 on the 24 crop futures? Yeah, I, w- I want them to think about if November beans, for whatever reason, due to weather in South America, could make it up to, let's say, 1325 to 1360 on beans, it'd probably be a place to sell something. And in the case of corn, if we make it back up to, I don't know, 525 to 540, a place to do something there in December corn. Um, the nice thing about these markets, if I look back at 2023, I would call it the year of crowded trades. Every once in a while, trades get too crowded popularity. People get too long or too short. And we kind of get a, a, a situation where for short periods of time, the market goes in the other direction with vigor. And that kind of provides the opportunities, I believe, for us farmers to take advantage of. Yeah. Uh, talk about going in opposite direction with vigor. How about that feeder cattle trade the past couple of days? Boy, it has gone down very sharply. Cattle have followed. I do believe cash cattle trade has broken out this afternoon at like 173 to 175 and small numbers in Iowa and Kansas. Um, But as you think about it, it has been a it has been a a woodshed event, a bloodbath, if you will. Uh, There's rumors abounding that maybe people that provide margin insurance and try to manage your risk in futures have not done a very good job. And that's one of the reasons why we're waterfalling in price. We'll see, but it's just a rumor today. Yeah, 15 bucks in two days of trade makes you think that something is going on. Dan, great conversation. Love talking with you. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk with you soon. Very good, Chip. Be well. Bye-bye. You bet. All right, Dan Bossy, Ag Resource Company. Uh, coming up next, we'll check the charts. Carry our tack. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. chickens have come home to roost find out whose fence they're perched on today on agritalk welcome back it's monday afternoon here on agritalk that means it's time for carrie artak artak advisory good afternoon carrie how you doing i'm doing great chip how about yourself doing real fine real fine uh, just to remind everyone, go on over to artacadvisory.com. That's A-R-T-A-C advisory.com and get started on a two-week free trial of Carrie's daily service. And today I'm looking forward to the update. Well, I always look forward to the update, Carrie, but uh, <laughs> it's all livestock today. I want to, uh, I'm interested in this one, especially with the volatility that we've seen in the, in the cattle complex. So Let's go ahead and get started with February live cattle. Yes, uh, February live cattle. I just want to mention just real briefly that both yeah. feeder cattle and live cattle, if you take a look at those charts going back to uh, earlier in the year, late last year, they started this vertical rally. This I call it a church steeple rally, these hyperbolic moves. We've seen this before about 10 years ago in the 2014 highs, and they have a way of giving it much of it back in the months to follow. So there is a symmetry to the downside that's very similar to the upside in both live cattle and feeder cattle. And to start with February live cattle, um, we are approaching a target that I've had now for, well, when we tested 195, it was a uh, it's a three-year channel top that is presently at 195.57. I'd mentioned it on your show. We tested it in July and September. I'd mentioned how the three-year channel bottom at 166.85 should not be discounted as our next big picture objective. And having settled about a month ago below a one-year channel bottom that is now 182.45, we are well on our way to testing that 166.85. 166.85 is a three-year channel bottom that stems off that April 2020 COVID low. It does represent this entire move, the basis of it. It can, uh, 166.85, contain selling not only through the rest of the year, which isn't saying much, but through winter trade into next spring. From here, we can stabilize and sort of, uh, you know, I don't see a V-shaped bottom here, but I think okay. we could get back to 182.45 over the next several months, and that'll be an important upside hurdle for this market to take out if it can we could top out at 182.45 and fall back into the mid to upper 160s once again within several months. Now, if we were to close this week below 166.85, that does set off a, a long-term sell signal. I would expect 158 even with this kind of volatility, that could be within you know um, several months. Uh, and uh, potentially then uh, we could continue all the way into the upper 140s, 146.15. I would not be surprised to see that 
uh, by this point next year. Um, and that's just sort of the bloodletting that is occurring. But we are at the stopping point right now at uh, 166.85. Now, on to January feeder cattle. Uh, it's a very similar story. We are testing a 211.35 is a three-year channel bottom as well for this market. And uh, we're at 212.80. So January Jeez. feeder cattle, 211.35. We are right there, just above it, able to contain just like the live cattle market through winter trade. From here, we could rally back possibly to 232.20 over the next month or two, 244.60 over the next several months. That is all possible to the upside now, holding above 211.35. But just like live cattle, uh, if it breaks, if the live cattle breaks 166.85, uh, feeder cattle would break 211.35. That sets off a long-term sell signal. I would expect 184.80 within about two to three months. And once again, by this point next year, we could be in the mid 140s on the feeder cattle market. And finally, February lean hogs have been in a sell signal uh, that I mentioned on your show now since September, below 76.75. We are well below that now. I am still anticipating 58.27, 58 handle long term support as a three to five month objective. But February has respectable support right where we are right now. We reached it today roughly 66.50. We closed 66.92. So off of 66.50, this market could could rally back to 76.75 over the next month or two. The February contract actually could, uh, but if we close below 66.50, and that is the path of least resistance given that 58.27 longer term objective, the February contract could actually test 58.27 by the end of January, where the broader lean hog market could bottom out into next summer. And I think that pretty much rounds it out, uh, Chip. <laughs> that would pretty much wrap it up for a lot of hog producers out there, too, if we get down to that level. That's tough. Fifty-eight twenty-seven. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's, you're right. That's a that's a tough, tough price outlook if if that would develop. But hey, sure. charts are what the charts are, buddy. There's no question about that. Good work, Kerry. Thank you. Thank you, sir. You have a great day. You bet, Kerry Artac, Artac Advisory. Um, it, yeah. something that he was saying there, Davis. You, mm -hmm. you know, and it just struck me as he was talking about it, how we could get into a well, we're knocking on support levels in levels in February live cattle, January feeder cattle. Close mm -hmm. below opens would be a long-term uh, sell signal. Doesn't mean that a market goes straight down. It can still react to. Uh, it can still react to a change on the supply side. Maybe rally all the way back up to, or at least close to the highs that we've already posted in 2023 but it's 2023 it's a year that ends in three the 10-year cycle in cattle futures tops in a year that ends in three bottoms in a year that ends in six okay so who knows that i mean it hmm. could be some everything that i look on on the fundamental side of the market yeah. obviously the demand side is a concern and should be a concern. But when we look at the uh, at the supply side of the market, I see nothing that would suggest that we are going to put a high in here right now. Some of the conception rates mm -hmm. that are being talked about out there right now, Davis, tell me, uh, what I don't know is what guys are going to do with open cows through the rest of the winter. Do you feed them expensive hay and try to get them bred back? Or do you say, listen, no, 
there's no way, which increases our beef supply this winter on those cull cows. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, there's so many unknowns about what is going on in this cattle market right now. But I do know this, conception rates were not good in the uh, in the summer, spring and summer of 2023. Six to 10 day and the eight to 14 day have both got above normal temperatures and near normal to below normal precipitation. I'm going to be on the road tomorrow morning. Davis will be here along with Michelle Rook to talk E15 and Canadian Dairy Trade tomorrow afternoon. Davis and Michelle will be back for a conversation with Andy Schisler from S&W Trading.